The Sherry Group Podcast, presented by The Sherry Group, LLC. Yes, welcome to the podcast. This is Leading Through Adversity with The Sherry Group. My name is Drew Demery, and I'm here with my co-host, Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Drew. How are you today? Oh, man, it's another winter day in Iowa, shoveling snow this morning, but I'm happy to be indoors now. Yeah, I drove to uh, Ames, the next town over, a little bit earlier today, and the snow is bright. It's deceiving because it looks beautiful out, but uh, man, it's cold. Time to bundle up. Really excited about our guest today. Julia Manis is the camp director at the Girl Scout Camp Tanglefoot in Clear Lake, Iowa. I've known Julia for a long time. We served together with the American Camp Association, Great River section for for quite a while. Just a great camp director and great person. So uh, Julia, could you start out by just uh, introducing yourself and maybe telling us a little bit about your camp and, and your camp story? So my short camp story is that I grew up coming to Girl Scout Camp Tanglefoot here in Clear Lake. I was a counselor in training here. I worked here for um, six summers through college. And then after that, I had an opportunity to apply for the full-time camp director position. And fortunately, they took a chance on me and here I am. So that's really the long and short of it. Tell you a little bit about my camp. We are located right on uh, Clear Lake, which is in north central Iowa, where we offer uh, many traditional camp programs, um, such as archery. And, you know, we have a, a great high ropes course that's two levels and to do some, you know, the crafts, the outdoor cooking, all that kind of stuff. Um, but we are very fortunate that we do have a section of the camp that is along the waterfront here. And so we are able to offer programs like canoeing and sailing. And we added in some corkles in the last couple of years and swimming and all that kind of stuff along the lake as well. Well, Julia, my kids are all growing up now, but they've all grown up at camp. And I remember when they were younger, matter of fact, I remember having discussions with my wife when we were talking about starting a family, how am I going to be a dad and a camp director? And I was fortunate enough that my wife was very involved in camp and enjoyed camp. And, and so we kind of made it a family thing, but that's a, that's a challenge for a lot of young folks today who are starting families or people that have been in camping for quite a while is how do you balance family? How do you balance being a husband or a wife and being a parent while doing camp, which we know can be, uh, a challenging, at least schedule-wise, a challenging job sometimes. And that's what we've asked you to come talk about today. We were just talking about it before the show started. You've got kids ranging from from what age to what age? (laughs) We're all over the place in our family. My husband and I got married 2015, so six years ago here. And um, we have a four-year-old together and a one-year-old. They're both girls. And I also have two stepdaughters, also girls. Uh, One is 13 and one is 20. So we are all over the board in terms of parenting and phases of life that kids go through. I think becoming a a parent myself as a mother, becoming a mother, added some additional uh, challenges and different dynamics to my life, uh, but certainly also trying to navigate the step-parent and uh, split family world has been all new to me as well and quite the adventure. Well, I'm a one and a half and a four-year-old and then a teenager at home. Those are busy. Those are all busy people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, what I think is a little interesting is we, uh, my camp, we chose not to have camp last summer in 2020. And so I have not actually been through a summer with 
both girls yet. So it's just crazy to me that we are going to be going into camp this summer and I'll have an almost two-year-old that no one has met <laughs> last time they were at camp or saw me. I, she was still inside of me, <laughs> still pregnant. So um, that'll be uh, just kind of a fun world to navigate. So though, so far, as far as like um, having my older daughter, my four-year-old, we've been through a couple of seasons of camp together. Well, I, th I tell you, all three of my kids loved growing up on camp. And as a family, we spent a lot of time on camp and uh, went to evening programs and participated in activities going around. And I'm a little biased. I think that there's no place better to raise your kid than on a camp if you can, but it wasn't easy. And I know um, Drew's got a little one as well. So this, this is a conversation that hits home, I think, with all of us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I think it's really interesting, Julia. You brought up that nobody's met your youngest child yet. Having a baby in the off season is so interesting because then, you know, they're almost a little toddler by the time anybody meets them and um, they're like, oh, wow, you've got a baby now. And it's, it's just, um, it kind of catches them off a little bit because your dynamic has changed a little bit as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've been fortunate that, you know, my four-year-old was born in December. My one-year-old was born in October. And so we were able to, you know, we made it through the whole summer season and things like that. So yeah, it is a big change going into the next year. Um, but thankfully it allowed us time to sort of like adapt to a new family member. It wasn't like, you know, they were born in March and then all of a sudden we're trying to navigate new family member, camp starting and everything all at the same time. So we we're very blessed in that way. Yeah. When my child came along, it was like two weeks after summer camp ended. So it was just like, boom, boom. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. a lot of change. <laughs> there, was, there was no rest in between, and there hasn't been since. We were lucky January, February, and March for us. Worked out great. Not only did it uh, run perfectly for camp timing, but uh, also worked well for football season and fall outdoor time. So it worked out, worked out great. Football season was amazing. <laughs> So it, it was challenging for us at times, but again, we were worked our way through it. I'd, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about your story. How are you raising these girls and you know, keeping a marriage happy and still being a very successful camp director? What are, what are some of your secrets and what are some of the challenges? Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I was kind of reflecting on our topic for today a little bit beforehand. And one of the things that really stood out to me was how much my work and life schedules have changed now that I have a family involved. When I first started as a camp director, I think I was very gung-ho. You know, I was not married at the time. I really, if I was working on a project and I wanted to plug through it all day long, I mean, I could and I could go as long as I wanted, stop and eat whenever I wanted to. And now I know that, you know, trying to get kids up and out the door in the morning and, you know, be able to pick them up from daycare and we have supper together as a family every night. You know, so like I've had to tailor my work day and my projects and everything I'm trying to do within that like window. And so I think it's provided structure, a lot more structure to my life than perhaps I had before. But I am, I do know that now I am more protective of my, um, my time when my kids are at home and my weekends and those kind of off moments where that's our chance to be a family. I certainly my perspective on the whole situation has changed quite a bit. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey then, Julia? Tell us maybe along the way, some of the roadblocks that you hit and how you overcame some of those. I, you know, I guess as far as the work and the kind of our family schedule, I, I guess I, I was able to ease into it. You know, when I met my husband, obviously, you know, he had two daughters. And so it started to, as our, you know, as our dating got a little more serious, you know, I started to want to incorporate 
my husband Mike and my stepdaughter or future stepdaughters at the point, you know, into my free time a little bit more as well. So I was, I guess in that sense, sort of able to graduate into it. Um, and then of course, obviously, you know, having a baby, you know, you've got theoretically a few months to prepare for it, but it's hard to mentally get to what that life will actually look like and change like. You know, as I kind of think about my first daughter, Annika, you know, when she was born, I think I wanted to still have that same kind of like camp director, long day sort of drive in me, but my world was so different and there was a lot of clashing and there was a lot of kind of conflicts almost internally. I'm not even sure that, you know, outside world knew it or would have known it, but things were different. You really have to um, embrace that you, you're bound by when they wake up and, you know, having a consistent bedtime. And, but if the baby wakes up, you know, three, four times during the night, like you got to find a way to function the next day. So in some ways I think, um, can't prepare me for parenting. <laughs> Did Mike have any relationship with camping? Had he ever been a, a camper or worked in camping or was this a whole new life introduction for him? He grew up in Boy Scouting um, and did some like Boy Scout camping, which is uh, the style is, from what I know, um, different than Girl Scout camping, right? And so there was some eye-opening things for him just about how we would run our, our resident camp in the summertime and what we would do in the off season. He was kind of aware of it. I think he had, a, a, what I want to say is he had an appreciation of scouting and of camping uh, that I think really helped our relationship. And so he wasn't just off the streets, never heard of camp, never went to camp before. And then I was like, yes, <laughs> here's this thing I do. But it is one of the things about our relationship. You know, we actually met in early May, the year that we had first met a couple years before we got married and didn't go on a date or anything until towards the end of that month. And I it truly was like the day before I was starting camp, like, ropes course training or whatever it was. And, you know, we were able to, to see each other just a couple times, you know, before I really got into the summer. And at a certain point, I just had printed him off my schedule. And I was like, here's when I'm free. And he, he was like, so you're free like three days this whole summer? And I was like, yes, <laughs> you can call me on those days or, you know, whatever. And, but we made it through that first season of dating and he was very respectful of camp and my schedule and always inquisitive and wanting to know more about what we did and how we did it. So I think that certainly helped us get started. I can't imagine just and handing that schedule to anyone and being like, yeah, she seems super interested. <laughs> like, well, let's, let's stick on the topic of Mike for a second, if we can, because I know for me, a large part of the success I had at camp really had to do with my wife, Kate, and being so supportive of what I was doing and understanding it. And talk a little bit about what Mike's role has been in you being a camp director and a mom. And kind of how does that relationship work? Because sometimes it almost feels like camp is another member of the relationship, right? Because it's, it's a big commitment. Yeah, honestly, at this point, I couldn't do it without his support. I had set a priority for us, or Mike and I had set a priority together that at the end of each summer, we would sort of do our own evaluation as a family and say, like, is this still working for us? Because there was a certain turning point, and I don't remember exactly what it was, I just remember that it was a turning point for me, that I, you know, and I think it was really around the time we got married, I knew that it wasn't really a choice I was making. By choosing to be married and by choosing to have a family, they would always come first for me. 
you know, so if we found that camp wasn't the best fit for us, that would always impact our, our family decisions. But I certainly didn't want it to be something that came between us, or I didn't want it to be something that like broke our family apart. Having that conversation has become very important, um, which makes me say like without his support and um, without having him there by my side and to, to back me up all summer long and to be my sounding board at home if I need one, you know, I just, I couldn't do it without him. And I'm so grateful that he's willing to do that. But that certainly doesn't come without its conflicts and it doesn't come without its uh, challenges in parenting. Cause I found that at least when um, my four-year-old was younger and we were in the middle of the summer season, you know, Mike became the, the primary parent putting her to bed every single night and that got to be pretty wearing and especially when she was an infant and um, wasn't always the most you know <laughs> happy infant especially in the evening hours I wasn't there you know because if camp needed me camp needed me and so it really called on him to totally step up as a dad and say I've got this you know go do what you need to do so yeah I, I love that so Kate and I made the decision early on similar we went uh, Memorial Day weekend every year. We would take off and go do something with the family and have uh, the annual family discussion of, is this still working for us as a family? And if it wasn't, and the kids got to participate in that discussion as they grew old enough to, to understand it, if it wasn't, then that would be our last summer and we would look at doing something different. I think having your spouse and your kids in on the decision provides them a lot of ownership. Dave, we're going to take a quick break right here and we'll jump back in with Julia when we jump back into the second half of the podcast. Contact the Sherry Group today for all of your fundraising, development, and training needs. www.thesherrygroupllc.com. Thank you. Okay, we're back now with the podcast leading through adversity here with the Sherry Group. Um, we were just talking about some of the, maybe the boundaries and the tools in place here to see a successful year and successful relationships. Julia, you'd mentioned doing a little reevaluation here at the end of every summer. That sounded like a great tool and a great tip for somebody else in this situation. Any other um, tools or like hard boundaries that you put in place to have a little bit of differentiation between family and camp time? You know, I've tried to find ways to incorporate family into camp as much as I can, which I do anticipate um, having girls being at a Girl Scout camp. And as we grow older, I think that will be, you know, a little bit easier as I've been able to do with my 13 year old stepdaughter. Like it was really fun kind of watching her sort of like grow up at camp. We could like put her in with a group of girls her own age. And she was like, yeah, great. Or I would kind of hand her the schedule. And I was like, we've got three groups your age today. Like, what do you want to do this afternoon? She'd be like, well, I'd like to go to archery and I'd like to do this. Um, I taught her early on that if you are doing this, like that is absolutely fine. But those kids get to do the activity first, you know? And so I think that was really a lesson for her that like, she knew that she could go do these fun things, but she wasn't the primary one who got to do it. Or, you know, if she was doing archery, like she would take her turn last, you know, kind of thing. And so she understood that, but sometimes she just liked hanging out with uh, the other kids and, and the girls. And I felt like that worked really well in kind of her like elementary age. And then as she got more into middle school and more connected and tied to friends and specific friends, she was like less likely to just hop in with anybody anytime, unless she knew them from like being at camp previously. 
Um, so I think that became important to us. And so I am looking forward to that, you know, in future years. With having um, younger kids, something that we've tried to do, we like to eat supper together as a family every night, like all year round, and trying to incorporate that into our dining lodge. At first, almost felt a little weird where counselors would sit with different counselors at every meal. We would sit at round tables with 10 people, two counselors and eight kids at each table. And so counselors would sit with different counselors and kids would sit with different kids. But then here at supper every night, like that was my family's one chance to like really be together and kind of connect and talk about how the day had gone like in waking hours. And so trying to incorporate like a family kind of table where we're like we would have other kids and other staff at our table uh, but now as our family is continuing to grow we are kind of taking up the table sort of thing so that has been that was hard for me to navigate i think just because i didn't like doing something different than i felt like i was asking my staff to do and i know that this was like different circumstances but it was also i had to find a way to feel comfortable sharing that with my counselors and saying, here's what I'm doing, here's why I'm doing it, because this is the only chance I have today where we can all physically be in the same space together. Absolutely. Yeah, that was my next question, Julia. It was about incorporating your summer staff into the fold here, um, because a 17, 18, 19-year-old really doesn't understand what it's like to try to raise a family and you know be a professional and also have fun at camp. So how have you needed to share that with your summer staff to get them on board or at least let them know what's going on a little bit here. You know, I've tried to be as open as I can and uh, to share, you know, whether it's different parenting things or, you know, like, I think I remember my first summer just saying like, Annika was up all night long, you know, kind of thing. And just being real with people that this is where I'm at in my situation. And, you know, another time that was really hard for me just because I didn't like expecting or, or allowing myself to do things different than I expected of my counselors was like being on time to flag in the morning, right? Like super easy when you are just one person getting out of the house, but now all of a sudden you're like taking a baby or a one-year-old or a two-year-old. And that was a whole different game because I mean, you would think we are 10 minutes early. Like we are going to be early today. We're going to be the first people at the flagpole by the dining hall. And I don't know what would happen and all of a sudden we'd be 15 minutes late, you know? And so then I, you know, it was hard for me to then want to turn around and say like, no, but this is an important expectation at camp so that camp functions and because camp runs on the schedule. But then here I am traipsing across the meadow halfway through flag. So I really had to try and find ways to like navigate through that. And I had a hard time because I didn't want to think that I was the exception to camp. At the same time, like I looked at it and I'm asking my counselors, you know, to get these groups of, of kids ready and I can't even get one kid ready and out the door. <laughs> so I, um, I think those are some of the things that I had a, a hard time with. And then I have, um, now I think I am more comfortable and more confident in helping to set those expectations with my staff. So it sounds like one of the things that you're sharing is that you need to allow yourself a little grace as a parent and as a camp director and understand that your world has changed and allow that to happen, right? Oh, totally. Absolutely. So where do the kids go during the day? Are they, do they come to work with you? Do you, uh, do they go to daycare? Do they stay with Mike? How's that work? Definitely not with Mike. We'll start with that one. That's an easy one. Mike um, is a manager of a concrete ready mix plant. So <laughs> absolutely not with Mike. Um, <laughs> Uh, but um, working for Girl Scouts of Greater Iowa, we have just a good maternity leave 
program, which was a little different between the, the kids as they were born with Annika. I was able to be home with her for about eight weeks before heading back to work. And then our policies and things like that changed and we actually added an infants at work program at Girl Scouts of Greater Iowa. And which was super great because I got to go through that with Eliza. So not only did I then get 12 weeks of maternity leave, um, which extended a little bit longer actually due to the holidays, they were like, oh, you get a couple extra days. And I was like, great. Um, but at a certain point I was like, I think I need to come back now. So um, no, it was really good. I'm totally kidding. But like, it was a good 12 weeks, a little bit longer on the tail end there um, with Eliza just being home, right? Like just doing the, just the mom thing, no work responsibilities or anything. And then she was able to come to work with me for the next three months, which was great. And this was, again, the timing, I think, really impacted my experience with this, especially being a camp director. Um, but she was born in October, like October 4th. So we were home October, November, December. I went back to work after the new year in January. And um, then she was able to be with me January, February, and March. And then she would have like graduated from our Infants at Work program. Then we hit March and right COVID hit. So then we were actually just all home for five months together as it was. Prior to COVID coming around as we were in the Infants at Work program, I was, truthfully, I was nervous about it. I did not know, even being a second time mom, how I would handle work responsibilities and caring for a baby. And um, Girl Scouts of Greater Iowa was so, so gracious about the whole experience. Like, I mean, they know that babies have needs and they knew that babies would be on conference calls and babies would be on um, like video meetings and things like that and babies would be in the background and I just you know the extra time that I was able to have with Eliza that I didn't have with Annika in especially those first six months of her life was huge it was so huge and I I loved being able to sit in my office here and look over and see my little baby girl and I got to uh, hear her laugh for the very first time in her life and it was in the middle of a work day and I thought I would have missed that today without this experience. That's wonderful. I, I've just got a couple more questions for you. I know we're getting short on time but before I say that I want to share a memory with you. I remember you bringing Annika to a Great River section meeting and I got to hold her for a while when she was napping and uh, of course being a dad, any chance you get to hold a baby is, is a lot of fun. So we've talked a lot about the impact that camp has had on your family and the balance of all that, but um, especially with your stepdaughters, what, um, what impact has camp had on them? There's some real advantages, I think, of, of raising your kids at camp. What are some of the things that you've seen and, and you're looking forward to with your younger ones? You know, I loved with Maddie, who's 13 right now. I loved watching her. I met her when she was six. I loved watching her sort of growing up in the camp atmosphere. I think she just wholeheartedly embraced it, just accepting that this is what it is. This is what it's like. This is, you know, what it's like to be around counselors all summer long. I mean, she just, she loved, she thrived on the attention from the counselors and they all knew her name and they all knew all this stuff about her. And she loved that, especially when she was younger. And just watching her grow to love camp on her own and to make her own friends at camp. I think with my uh, younger daughters here, I have similar hopes that they will have an experience like Maddie's. I want them to grow. I, I really, honestly, I do. I want them to grow to love camp and I want them to have a special place in their heart for it. And truthfully, that is probably one of my deepest fears is that they won't. Because I know, you know, camp's not necessarily for everybody. Not every camp is for everyone. 
um, but hopefully somehow we can kind of infiltrate <laughs> or teach them that, you know, this is a, it's a good thing. Yep. That, uh, that sounds very real to me, Julia. <laughs> Thanks for being so candid. I've got one more question here for you and I'm going to pitch it over to Dave to wrap up. A little bit earlier, we talked about grace as being a quality that, um, that you needed to develop and, and then rely on. This series is all about leadership skills, and we're trying to kind of put an idea out there that these are some skills that you might need to overcome adversity in the camping world. So we talked about grace. What are some other leadership qualities or life qualities that you feel like you've needed to rely on to uh, make this a success? Um, like being a good communicator or being prepared, anything like that? I would say, I think communication is always a big one because as a camp director, you can get so good at saying this is the chain of communication that has to happen. And you say, okay, something big happens or the weather is changing or, you know, something occurred within the camp setting and you say, great, everybody needs to know this. This is how we're going to disperse this information. It's, you know, kind of the calling tree or, you know, you grab the unit leaders and you talk to them and then you please pass this on to the counselors, you know, kind of thing. But sometimes in that, the busyness, I think of the camp world, it's almost difficult to try and replicate that at home and not certainly to the same degree because I'm not talking about a family of 35 people like I am a, a camp staff of 35 people, but certainly remembering to still have those important conversations at home when I falter in those areas like of communication or of addressing hard topics or of bringing an issue to the table. They don't always happen and then I think it makes home life very difficult. So certainly I would say communication is an area where you have to be very conscious as a camp director and <laughs> not let it fall short. So It sounds like you're also a very inclusive person uh, that maybe this has made you um, think beyond just that general idea of inclusion to now, okay, what does inclusion look like for this specific person and their situation? Would you say that it um, has had that effect on you? Yeah, I really do. I think everything about being a parent and being a camp director, I just, I really believe that they are so intertwined and I don't think that I could separate one from the other. And I think that does involve inclusion. I know that it involves the way that I parent. Certainly the way that camp has impacted my parenting has changed my outlook because I'm very, I find myself being very inclusive at home in those conversations. I mean, I talk to my four-year-old and I have always talked to her as if she is a well-spoken individual. And I think that now shows in her language and in her expression. And I'm learning a lot about how do you deal with a kid with really intense emotions from the parent side of things, because I've got a four-year-old who can be really intense at times. And I certainly, I can pull from examples of, um, you know, perhaps campers I've had a chance to work with or different situations, but never on the every single day as a parent perspective. The other thing I would really say that, you know, is a, is a kind of a camp industry term, you know, is that like front loading uh, conversation. And I do that with Annika all the time. And when I don't, I can see the difference. One question for you. For our listeners who are just starting this journey, they have a new spouse or they're becoming a parent for the first time, if you could give one piece of advice to them, what would be your one, here's something that you'd, I really want you to consider? You know, 
truthfully, I want to, you know, all the thoughts that are running through my head right now, I think do tie back into that theme we identified earlier of grace and of having grace with yourself. And I think allowing yourself the opportunity to reframe your expectations. Because when you add a spouse, and especially certainly when you add kids into your life, it's true, everything does change to your priorities, to how you work, what your day looks like, and everything in between. Um, And I think just allowing yourself that time to really just embrace and live in the moment and to be grateful for all that you have and everything that's in front of you, I think really goes a long ways. Well, Julia, I really appreciate you being on here today. And that was a great piece of advice to wrap up with and uh, something I hope people take to heart. So Julia Manis, Girl Scout Camp Director for Camp Tanglefoot in Clear Lake, Iowa. I want to thank you again for being on here with us today, but I also want to thank you for all the good that you're doing. You're a great camp director and you've had a great impact on Iowa camping and lots of kids. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate that. Yes, Julia and Dave, thanks for joining me today here on Leading Through Adversity with the Sherry Group podcast. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening.